like that. And I, I, I absolutely hated being up here. And it's just one of those things that you got to work through. And as you, as our young people grow up and become leaders of their own family and leaders of their, their own community, they need a place where they can get raised up in how to do that and feel safe and, and get confidence and be able to do those things in an environment where not, I don't think any of you guys brought tomatoes to throw at them. So he was safe the whole time, right? Nobody got what? Nobody got the tomato memo. And Jaden, just so you know, I think everybody took it easy on you on the prayer time. Because normally everybody does like 57 prayers. They only did like five. So you're welcome. They all, they all took it easy on you. Um, last week, we finished days four and five of creation. And we saw the Lord speak into existence our galaxy, the plants, the fish, and the birds. And we continually look at the beauty of God's creation and complexity of his design. And still, as humans, we say, did God really do that? I, I hope I'm showing you some of the flaws in the way that the scientific community tries to answer how life got here without God. It's, a truly, it's truly amazing to me the depths that people will go to to eliminate a God that they're accountable to. And I really hope that I'm doing this justice because the foundation of everything that we believe hinges on chapter 1 of Genesis. Do we believe God created this thing or do we believe man's interpretation of the science that they make up? As we continue through this chapter today, we're going to look at, first of all, animals being put on the earth, both man and beast. And we're going to look at the purpose of animals and really dig into man. I, I, I want to look at why was man put here? How do we live? And, and to do that, our points today are going to be, we're going to finish up his creation of land animals. We're going to go into man in our image. What does that mean? Dominion over the earth. What did God mean by that? And, and harmony. So let's open to Genesis chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 24, we're going to read to the end of the chapter. If you would please, let's stand for the reading of God's word, and we will, yeah, it's just like seven verses, it's not long. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds, livestock and creeping things, and beasts of the earth according to their kinds, and it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth according to their kinds and the livestock according to their kinds and everything that creeps on the ground according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created him. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, behold, I have given you 
Every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth, and every tree with seed in it, its fruit. You shall have them for food, and every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the heavens, and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. Lord, we just lift up this time to you of our teaching. We pray that you would be with us. We pray that you would just use my mouth to speak your words. And, and again, we would just put aside all the distractions of the world, focus our time solely on you, and we can open this time up now with um, just thanksgiving, Lord, that, that we have your word to study and that this, this is all done by you. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. So, oh, if I drop down, I'll be in big trouble with my daughter. On the beginning of the sixth day, God created the animals. So, we already have plants, we have birds, we have sea life, and now God created the beasts of the land. Animal taxonomy, or the way that we class them, is based on certain characteristics. We break the animal kingdom down into six groups. It's the mammals, invertebrates, amphibians, reptiles, birds, and fish. We're basically just going to cover um, the first four since God, we already talked about the birds and the fish. These are all broken down into basically two different categories. They're invertebrates or vertebrates, basically the ones with spines, ones without spines. We covered that a little bit last week with the fish, so let's quickly just point out some of the things from those other four groups. Mammals are vertebrae, meaning that they have a spine. Most mammals have hair. They're, they're born alive um, instead of hatching or going from one form to another. Their young are typically fed from their mother's milk. So they also have a unique characteristic that they typically have a hinged jaw, okay? So examples of them would be like elephants, um, humans, and so well, some of us have hair. There's lions and tigers and bears. It was amazing. So surprisingly, most of you guys don't understand this, but whales are actually mammals and not fish. Um, and so there's, there's a huge theological discussion that we could have about Jonah and was it a big fish or was it a whale or um, was the translation wrong or, or was the fish supernatural and that'll keep some people up all night, not me, let's move on, invertebrates. Invertebrates are about 95% of the animal kingdom and we talked about that a little bit last week. They, they have no backbone. They're normally multicellular, um, means they have multiple cells working together. Some of them can't even move. They just sit there in their nothingness their whole life. Um, they generally have soft bodies, examples of these types of things, and there's literally over a million of these types of animals in the world. You have like worms, clams, spiders, there's like a trillion of those. Um, you have jellyfish, shrimp, some of those things. So those are, those are your invertebrates. Next, we're going to go into amphibians. 
and those are actually vertebrates. They have a spine. They need moist environments because they absorb water and nutrients through their skin. Um, they, they have a very thin skin that does that. They breathe actually through their skin as well. Typically, they're cold-blooded and have a life cycle that goes from egg to a larva to an adult. So basically, you guys have seen tadpoles. That's like the larva version of a frog. They normally, most, um, most amphibians will have one gland in their body that's used as a defense mechanism. It's kind of cool. Some of them will like spot out like an anchor or something at you. Then that's, that's what they use for defense. Um, frogs, salamanders, toads, those are basically what's in those groups. The last group that I'm going to talk about quickly is reptiles. I saved them for last on purpose. I know, guys, I understand this, that God said it was good. This is probably question number three when I get to heaven. Like, really? Really, you, you had to make those things? I mean, first of all, why, why snakes, right? They're they're cold-blooded. I mean, like cold-blooded. They don't care. They just eat things. And they have these really freaky eyes. They kind of go this way instead of this way, like normal things. They, they're just gross. They lay eggs to reproduce. They breathe through their lungs. And they're covered in scales. Crocodiles, snakes, lizards. Turtles are the only thing that's cool in the reptile family. Um, the thing is that when we talk about all these animals that we see in the world, they all have a very distinct purpose in God's creation. Yes, even snakes. We, we get leather from the fur of, and fur from the animals that, that are out there, um, and it's to help us keep warm. We get food from them, and as we discussed last, last week, it's, it's all, the animal kingdom is all part of this massive, perfectly designed ecosystem that all works together very symbolically. There, there's one last animal that we need to discuss in this perfectly designed system. Verse 26 says, then God said, let, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Humans are the only of all of God's creation that were made to look like him. I'm sorry, let's be very biblically accurate here. Made to look like them. Adam was made in the image of God. We're all made in the image of God. Even those that don't believe in him are still made in the image of God. And that brings up a couple of questions that we need to ask. First of all, what does God look like? Second, what's the image and who is our? And I want to start with that last one first. Who is our? Let us make man in our image. This is the first, this is one of the first references that we see in Scripture of the multiplicity of God. 
what, what we would call in Christianity, we would call it the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The literal translation of that verse right there is it's a first-person plural. So it, it would basically read like, um, it's not one God, it's one more than one God. Does that make sense? So it makes more sense when you, if you read about the spirit that was hovering over the deep when we were dealing with verse 1 and 2, and then when we were talking about the shadowing redemption of the sun and how that, that is that was leading up to the, the birth of Christ and the resurrection of Christ and his work. So when you read all of Scripture in light of those things, it, it all begins to make more sense. As already mentioned, it's imperative that you answer the question, did God really correctly, or none of this is going to make sense to you. It's just not. You're going to look at it and go, that, hold on, that wasn't that and that. You have to believe that God actually did these things. The other thing is that you are not just created in the image of God. You're created in the image of that triune God. You have a spirit. You have a redemptive side. And you are, if you are a believer in Christ, you are eternal that way. You may not know exactly what God looks like, but it's a great study to just look at his attributes and his characteristics and see those images in the mirror when you're looking at yourself. The thing that we struggle with that we don't understand is that when somebody says that we're made in the image of God, we tend to look at it and go, yeah, but I'm not perfect. And we struggle with that. We beat ourselves up our whole lives because we mess up and we don't feel that we live up to the standard that we set because we look at His grace all wrong. And we look at the imagery of what it means to be made in the image of God wrong. Okay, I, I have two boys who are made in my image. They're lucky. <laughs> My one son's like, well, I say what? Um, that they are not, they are not made exactly like me. And they do not do the things that I would do. And quite frankly, my two boys are about polar opposites of each other in the way that they act and behave. Now, stand them next to me, and it's pretty clear they're mine. You can tell. And the closer that they are to me, the more that they act like me. You guys ever had those friends where, you know, you put two women together, or two men, really, and over time, they just start acting like each other. They even start dressing like each other. They start, that's because they're very close like that. And, like I said, the closer that my boys are to me, the more that they act like me. And sadly, for their future wives, this is true. 
being made in God's image means we have the same attributes. We, we tend to have the same characteristics. It does not mean that we use them the same. And that's very important for us to understand. The image is not what everybody thinks because the, the reality is in America and most of the world, humans are vain. We think that, well, woohoo, I got God's good looks. Look at me. But it's, it's more than an appearance thing. It's the image of all three. So I would say it's more probably about the characteristics and the attributes than it is facial features or... Look, Look at my body. Woohoo! Look at this. I'm made in the image of God. Um, now, we're, we're, we are not obviously omnipresent, meaning that we're everywhere, but we can show compassion to everybody that we run into. We're not all knowing, but we have a heart that can draw closer to those around us and, and search out wisdom. Our image is made up of our heart and our giftings. It's not about outside looks. We have, we have no idea what God looks like, and, and none of us are, are so glorious. I mean, there's some that may think this way. That we're, none of us are so glorious that people... God has to hide the people around us in the cleft of a rock so that when we pass by, we can look at your glory. None of us are made that way. But have you guys ever been around someone that is so nice that it makes you, it, it makes you feel like you can't be around them? You guys ever had that? I, I have a friend of mine who it's like, every time she, oh, hi, how are you doing? I can't. You're too nice. And it doesn't matter. She's always that way. They just radiate love every time that you're around them. And, and I think that is what more of the image is. What? <laughs> because it makes you feel bad because you're not that nice. Okay. Moving on. We do. Adam, Adam was made in the image of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Adam was made to carry on and continue in the attributes and the characteristics of all three. As we later find out, because he's human and he's not God, that he falters. We all falter. We all mess up. But that should not change our characteristics or our attributes. And I, I just went and I dealt with yesterday, my wife and I went and we, we went to a dear friend's funeral. And she had a horrible lapse of judgment when she took her own life. That's not the attribute or the characteristic that I remember about her. I remember her love for people. I remember the way that she made people feel when she came into a room. And I think that that's 
how we represent the image of God. We all, like Adam, make mistakes. But the closer that we walk with the Father, the more like Him we become. We, we tend to stay away from the bad and we gravitate more towards what He has for us. You, you guys have all seen when a father and a son are like walking next to each other and it's, it's almost comical because they have like the same walk, they have the same stride, they even have the same cadence. Just watch Bill and... Bill and um, Josh for a little bit. It's, it's kind of funny because two of them go back and forth and it's, it's, it, it's that father-son relationship because they're close. They're very much alike in the way that they do things. And that's typically what the younger one says. Not realizing, Josh said he's just cooler and better, but what they don't realize is that is that they got their cooler and better from their dad. Yeah. It's, it's, it's trained. It is how they're raised. And, and it's because they walk so closely with their parents that they learn how their parents act, how their parents behave. And, and that's how our relationship is supposed to be with God. That's what our goal is. When, when someone looks at you, do they see the image of God or do they see the world? Here's the thing. You're made in his image to be his image. That's why when we go out into the world, we're supposed to show them the image of God. Even if you messed up in your life, it's not too late to get back into stride with him and reflect his image the way that a father does with his son. And too many people think that they've blown it too bad and there's no way that they can come back or walk with God again. Well, let me tell you, David was a murdering, lying, adulterous thief, and God said he was a man after his own heart. So if any of you are at that point in your life, there's still hope, because there was for David. His mercy is greater than any of the sins that you've committed. You just have to lay him at his feet and get back into stride with him. And it saddens me that people think they're unworthy. And, and unfortunately, I have to tell you, honestly, my friend Kelly, who died, um, was one of these people. She felt that she was unworthy to come to church because of the stuff that she had done in her life. She was never willing or understood the concept of God's grace. She never could understand that God would forgive her. She was awesome unbelievably awesome at forgiving everybody around her for everything. This lady would do anything for anyone, anytime, but was incapable of receiving grace herself. God is sitting there with open arms like the prodigal son's father going, come back to me, let me throw you a feast. And too many are like, I, I can't do it. We 
Every single person in this room, every single person on this planet is made in the image of God to reflect him to the world. We're not perfect. We're not going to do it perfectly. But I, how many of you guys were like catechized when you were younger? Yeah. Um, anybody, anybody do like the Westminster Catechism? James like, right here, me. Um, that's, so the Westminster Shorter Catechism says, this is the number one question that they ask. It says, what is the chief end of man? In other words, why did God create us? Why did God put us here? And the answer is, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. And it seems so simple, doesn't it? I mean, it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. The thing that happens is the same thing that happened with the most beautiful angel in heaven, Lucifer, is we end up trying to glorify ourselves, and we do this mostly by asking, did God really say? This is what I've been teaching for the last four or five weeks now. We question God. Instead of glorifying him and enjoying him forever, we sit there and go, well, did he really say that? Is this really what happened? It doesn't make sense to me because, again, Mr. Holt McDougall told me that this is what happened. And I believe him because, well, he's at least 100 years old and he knows more than God. And that's how we look at science. Instead of reflecting his image, we tend to make it about us. And we're going to deal with that more when we get into the fall. But let's get into our next point, which is from verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. First of all, God made us in his image. And then... God gave us rights over his creation to take dominion over it. He gave Adam the, the garden to tend and take care of. So what, what is this dominion thing? What's this mean? Um, it doesn't mean like the horrible voting machines. It's something different. It, anyway, um, Webster's definition of dominion is a ruling or controlling power or sovereignty. So we look at it, we go, well, God's sovereign, we're not sovereign. Well, God tells us to take sovereignty over the land and over the beasts. And I, I think that some of us, when we look at this, we, we, we kind of look at it like, ugh, man, go hunt. That's, that's not... That's not really, you know, you get this Neanderthal like dragging his wife across the, that's not, that's not what he's talking about here. And it's, because it, it's so much more than that, especially considering in our last points, the reality is we don't even eat meat yet as humans in this historical narrative that we're doing here. This is, again, more of a reflection of the image of God. We are his children here on earth to do his purpose. And that would be both physically and spiritually. Most people don't look at the spiritual stuff when we take dominion over the earth. We look at it as like, 
I go kill animals and I make clothes out of them. That's, and I eat their meat. That's how the vast majority of us look at dominion. But it is physical and it is spiritually. So let's start with how do we do that? Well, first, he tells us to be fruitful and multiply. The reality is, guys, that's a command. It's not a suggestion. By the way, that command was never rescinded. So how are we supposed to take care of all of this, all of the earth, all of the stuff that's going on, if we don't have physical bodies to do this? I'm going to show you. Um, just think if Adam had one boy and one girl, okay? And this always comes back to the story, how did Cain get his wife, right? Um, typically in America, worse in Britain, but in America, we would say, yay, I got my two, my one boy, my one girl. Yay, the whole world's happy. We know that, we know that, other, that Adam and Eve have other, had other children, but let's just say, let's just say that Sarah, his, their, one of their imaginary daughters I just made up, let's say that Sarah killed Abel instead of Cain. Well, there goes the human race. Because you don't have enough to even re recreate anything that's going on. And we actually see that happening all over Europe today. Did you guys know that in, in European countries, they're not even replacing themselves? They are dying off by not reproducing. They are killing themselves off by not multiplying. The European Union rep reports that the average birth rate is 1.55 children per woman. The rate required just to sustain population is 2.1. So they, they are literally eliminating themselves off of the face of the earth. We also need to understand that the, the command was more than, than, it wasn't so much about reproduction as it was to have spiritual quivers, or have spiritual arrows in your quiver. We raise up and we send out godly reflections to share the gospel. The spiritual, the spiritual battle is tough, and Christians are, we're, as Christians, we're giving the enemy the ground because before, before, the, before we even start doing anything, we're hamstringing ourselves. So before the letters start rolling in and people start yelling at me about all what I'm talking about right now, there are exceptions to the be fruitful and multiply rule, and I fully understand that. I'm just saying as a general concept, this is what God commands us because we need to rule and be more fruitful and multiply. The intent was to produce godly offspring that would fight spiritual battles. And we're not seeing that right now. What we're seeing is people giving up on that, not going out and doing what God said, which was to have dominion over everything else. The reason that he gives us dominion is because as people made in his image, we have a soul, we have a heart, we have a conscience, we have a Holy Spirit that guides us in ways that the world does not understand. We take care of the animals because we know that they are a part of a greater creation designed to work together. Go, go back to the Lion King 
to see what happens when improper dominion is established. Go to the next one. You see, you guys remember that from the movie, when Scar and all the hyenas took over everything, they just ate all the animals and there was nothing left. They destroyed everything. Because they did not understand the, the proper circle of life and how everything is supposed to is designed to work. God gave us these things. He gave us these, this perfect system of ecology, and He expects us as ones created in His image who understand His characteristics and His attributes and, and the ways of God. He expects us to care and protect what he's given. It's, it's just the simplicity of God gave it to us because he expects us to know what to do with it and not ruin it. And our last point is harmony. God said, behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of the earth and every tree and every seed that is in it. Um, you shall have them for food and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the heavens and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for food and it was so. We were created to live in harmony with the animals of the earth. And at this point, Adam was only eating plants. Yes, sadly, he was a vegan. There was no sin yet. There was no death yet. And they still are not eating meat. And this one's really hard for me because, quite frankly, I, I really like me a steak. Um, but I know that selfish pride is, is what Adam had too. He, he, don't look all judgy at me. We were created to be in harmony with plant life and with animals. Do, do you realize, most of you guys don't even understand, you don't even know this. Do you guys realize that people did not even eat meat till after, until Noah, till the time of Noah? You had hundreds of years of sad, pathetic vegan life. <laughs> it's just sad. It's sad for me. I can't, I can't even imagine the pain and suffering. Um, the reality is people lived a lot longer. Still, they, left, they lived longer without steak. And I just, I can't, I don't understand that. In Genesis 9, verse 3, it says, Every moving thing that, that lives shall be food for you. And I gave you the green plants. I gave you everything. So it's not until nine chapters later that God actually gives them the okay to eat meat. Here's the thing. When this all happens, you had God flooded the earth because the initial people were blowing it big time. They, they were only living for themselves and their sin. Remember what, remember what we just went, what we just read. God made them in their own image to live out his image on earth and to represent him. They were not doing that at all, and it was really bad. 
So God floods the earth. What's the first thing he says after that? Try this again. Be fruitful and multiply. Another command to them. And he does that because he knows that he needs good, righteous people to go out there and do this. And you know what? Everyone makes this all about making a lot of babies. It's, in a sense, that's kind of what he's talking about, but it's more, it's more about raising people made in the image of a triune God. We are put here to give him honor and glory, and too often it's all about us. Well, if I, if, I, if I only raise one boy and one girl, then I can have my perfect princess and I can have my star athlete and I can go to all their games and I can do all the things and I can do all this and we make it all about us. The image that we reflect when we do that is the image of what the world sees. And the thing that, the thing that we need to understand is when people are looking in a mirror, are, are they seeing God? When they're looking at you as the mirror, are they seeing God? What are you reflecting? Do they feel the Holy Spirit in you when they're around you? Do they sense grace when they're around you? Do you give them that feeling that they can share things with you without you getting judgmental. The reality is, every single one of us, when we walk out the door here, we're reflecting an image of something. We all have our past, and we all have some issues, some of us more than others. We're all cracked mirrors of a perfect God. Do we let the Holy Spirit show those other broken mirrors that we run into grace so we can live in harmony with them and spread their love? We, we have to be able to do that in order to be the image of all three parts of that triune God. It's what God created us for, was to run out there, boldly proclaim his name, but to be that reflection to the world of not a perfect person, not even a close person, just a person who loves God and is willing to show everybody the grace that he showed to us. Let's stand up. We'll pray. Josh, your wafer boots are bringing mud up here. Josh got new boots and they're full of mud. 